0: This is a webinar from the National Bicycle Dealers Association. It was originally broadcast live. First of all, I want to thank the NBDA for the opportunity to uh, do this webinar. Um, And I will apologize to everybody in advance. My first one. So if I seem like I'm nervous or I'm not saying the right thing or doing the right thing, you know, it's because it's my first one. Good. Um, So for those of you who I don't know, and uh, it looks like there's a handful of people that I do know, but uh, my name is Bob Marjavikas, and uh, I am currently executive vice president at Specialized, uh, and uh, my position at Specialized is taking care of what we do from a product and a sourcing side. Um, In addition to that, um, as most of you may know, I'm on the uh, board of directors uh, for BPSA and I uh, manage and take care of safety issues as well as statistical data. um, And I've become very much involved in what we're doing from a legislative standpoint. Um, I'm also I also function as a uh, U.S. trade advisor to the Department of Commerce and the Department of Trade in the capacity of providing insight and guidance to to the government, the federal government, on uh, trade-related matters as they relate to consumer products. And just to give you a framework of consumer products, that relates uh, to many different products, not specifically bicycles. uh, It's toys, it's sporting goods, it's housewares, um, it's marine goods, it's uh, RVs. So there's a variety of things within consumer products. And just a a little background on that, there are 86 of us in the United States and each of us have specific um, areas of expertise. Mine happens to be uh, consumer products And uh, we do advise the U.S. government and uh, the U.S. Department of Trade on things like tariffs, um, intellectual property. We we work on things like trade facilitation. Uh, We also work on things like rules of origin and other trade related matters that you may read about in publications and in uh, stories about whether it's um, whether it's NAFTA 2 which is USMCA, or we're very deeply involved right now in Section 301 matters. So that's a little bit of background on me, and what we're here to talk about today is tariffs. And so, um, so I wanted to I wanted to take you through some just some preliminary, um, just maybe elementary um, issues, or at least information about tariffs to give you an idea of what a tariff is and how it works, why it exists, and how it impacts you and how, uh, how it impacts and the bicycle industry. So. Uh, so I'm going to go through a few things and I'm going to just pose my own little questions and I'll answer them um, and then uh, during it or if anyone has any questions along the way I'm happy to answer them as we go along so the first and obvious question is what is a tariff and um, a tariff or sometimes called a duty so either a tariff or duty they're interchangeable it's it's a tax that is imposed by the US federal government on products that are imported into the United States so any product that comes into the United States there's there's a tariff or a tax that's applied to that when it is imported into the United States and that tax or or tariff is applied through CBP, which is Customs and Border Patrol. So, um, so what's the purpose of the tariff and why do they even exist? So tariffs, um, tariffs have been in, in existence um, since almost the beginning of time. And basically what the tariffs are intended to do is to protect USA businesses. So tariffs, they are crafted in a way so that they provide a level of equilibrium between products that are imported and those that are produced in the United States. So over a a long series of time, these tariffs have have been refined and developed so that they create a level of parity between imported products and products that are produced domestically and tariffs um the, the tariffs themselves are defined in a in a uh there's a a, a tariff for every product that you can imagine there's over th- uh, over 30,000 individual um we call them hts codes um, and each of those HTS codes does have a tariff so um, the obvious question is so okay how can I find out what the tariffs are on a product and, and actually that's quite easy for those of you who have a pen and paper and you want to find out what a, tar- what a tariff is on, his, on a product um, there's a government website that you can use to search for tariffs on any product. And the website is um, hts.usitc.gov. So that's HTS. hts.usitc.gov. And on that website, you can search uh, by a, a product, you can search by a name. and if you have a tariff code, you can identify what the tariff is on any product that you want. So it's it's a, a pretty easy and a pretty accessible uh, site and it's really valuable if you're looking at getting into or identifying what tariffs are on products. Um, The important thing to, to realize is when you do look at that site, the tariffs that are on there are called MFN, which is Most Favored Nation Tariffs. So those tariffs that are in the guide, they apply to any products that are imported from countries that are part of the WTO so the WTO is the World Trade Organization so these tariffs apply for any products that are imported into the United States from any country that is part of the WTO and just notable exclusions from that might be products from North Korea uh, just as an example or there could be some other countries that are not part of the WTO And those uh, tariffs don't necessarily apply to them. There are specific tariffs. But for the most part, if you access that that website, you'll be able to clearly see what the tariff codes are. So within that site, um, they'll ask you for an HTS code. And the obvious question is, what is an HTS code? So the HTS code is a, a, a system for classifying traded goods. And so HTS stands for harmonized tariff system, harmonized tariff system. And so it, it classifies goods based on their, their composition, their product, what their intended functions are. And there's a about, 10,000 separate groups of products that are classified within the HTS system. This HTS system applies globally. So it's not specific to the United States. The HTS system is harmonized around different countries around the world so that there's an understanding if there's a category for bicycles, In the United States, it's the same category that applies to to the European community, to Japan, to China, to Taiwan. So that there's a a common nomenclature for understanding tariffs and how they apply to different countries. So moving on from, from HTS codes and from tariffs, so you have some access and some understanding of of HTS and and tariffs, so I'm, I'm going to move into the the uh, obvious questions that people are asking about uh, about things that uh, that now there's additional tariffs that are applied to, and so you've heard a lot about Section 232. There's also been a lot of uh, a lot of rhetoric about Section 301 and uh the what do they mean and and why so section uh 232 tariffs um is a is a provision within what was called the trade expansion act and that particular provision within the trade expansion act authorizes the president to adjust specific imports from countries if the importation is in such quantities or under such circumstances that they threaten to impair the national security of the United States. So section 232 tariffs, as you know, they have been applied to aluminum, There's a 10% tariff on aluminum, and they have also been applied to steel. There's a 25% additional tariff on on steel. And that applies for imported steel and aluminum that is coming into the United States from any country around the world with a handful of exceptions. Brazil is an exception. Uh, just last week, uh, the United States removed Section 232 tariffs from Canada and from Mexico, and there are two or three other countries, uh, including Korea, that are exempted from 232 tariffs. So, Section 232 tariffs is uh, is exclusively isolated to aluminum and steel imported from any country around the world into the United States. And the intent of section 232 uh, tariffs, as you have heard from the administration, is primarily working to rebuild both the aluminum and steel fabrication business in the United States. And that's the sole purpose of section 232 is to rebuild what what was a core competency of the United States in producing aluminum and steel. Moving on to section 301, that's the one that really has been um, just on the uh, the radar screen with all of us for quite some time. And uh, section 301 is different. So section 301, is is a provision that's within the U.S. Trade Act of 1974 and it authorizes the president to take all appropriate actions including retaliation to obtain the removal of any act, policy, or practice of a foreign government that violates international trade agreements or unjustified, unreasonable, or discriminatory that burden or restrict U.S. commerce. And as as you have probably read about Section 301, the U.S. has applied this provision to China and the U.S.'s position as it relates to China and Section 301 is that China has violated intellectual property rights for USA patent holders. In addition, they have taken uh, intellectual property. They are limiting the ownership of, of uh, businesses in China exclusively to Chinese um, to, to uh, Chinese, um, citizens. In addition, the government, uh, the U.S. government has said that the Chinese have, um, they are, um, they are taking ownership in uh, USA businesses and they are, they are taking intellectual property and using it for their own purposes. And, uh, you know, just to, to elaborate a little bit on Section 301 and why this is so important and what has happened and a little discussion about the trade negotiations that are going on, um, the U.S. uh, and Section 301 tariffs, um, the U.S. is really looking to China to for four particular things in order to, for the U.S to remove the Section 301 tariffs. And the four things are, number one, we would like the Chinese to make purchases of products that we here in the United States have in in excess or we are rich in. And those things that we would like the Chinese to buy from the United States are, we would like to sell them energy. Right now, the United States is one of the uh, is is the largest. We have the largest resources of natural energy, whether it's um, whether it's natural gas, whether it's oil, whether it's um, nuclear energy. Uh, we have solar energy. We have wind. We have coal. We have more energy than uh, than any other country in the world, and we want to sell energy to China. Um, we also want to sell cars. Um, the United States believes and the president believes that that business um, is important, and he would like um, us to sell automobiles into the Chinese market and as you've probably been following the tariff on cars into China is uh, 25 percent and the tariff for cars coming into the United States is 2.5 percent. So there's a big disparity and one of the provisions that we're looking for is to try and get the Chinese to neutralize the tariff uh, between what the United States is and what China is um, so that there is more imports of, of American automobiles. We also want to sell um, uh, we want to sell pharmaceuticals. We're very rich, as you know, in pharmaceutical intellectual property, and we have a lot of, uh, of uh, pharmaceuticals that we want to sell. We want to sell of course agriculture and agricultural products uh you've probably been following uh we're now starting to subsidize some of the farmers but we want to sell soybeans we want to sell beef we want to sell corn we want to sell a lot of products into the into the chinese market we also want to sell um, alcohol we want to sell also uh tobacco and um the the other thing of course we want to sell arms uh we do make a lot of uh, military arms here so between those seven the seven categories um they're the focus of what we want from section 301 and we want the chinese to purchase them and as everyone's been following the trade deficit that the united states has with with china which means we are Purchasing more than we are selling, Um, we are purchasing from China an excess of $650 billion worth of product that we would like the Chinese to purchase products from the United States to offset that. And those seven categories are the areas where we really want the Chinese to make some purchases. So purchasing is number one. And then uh, the second thing that we want the Chinese to do is we we want them to recognize and respect our intellectual property and the Chinese have taken a lot of actions right now recently uh, I'm involved in a lot of uh, the discussion trade discussions on intellectual property there's been a lot of changes the government policies and practices have changed uh, they're opening up for investments to foreign companies they're uh, they're Actually, uh, the Chinese government is, is um, de-investing, is, uh, is allowing uh, some of the, the government owned, uh, owned businesses, they are, um, they are selling off their portions of that to private individuals. So they're complying with the uh, provision of trying to uh, allow intellectual property and protect intellectual property to the United States. So that's going well. The third and the fourth things are actually quite complicated. Um, and the third thing, if you've been reading through a lot of the actions that are going on in China, China has a, 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 an initiative that has been underway for many years it's called the One Belt, One Road or the Silk Road Program. And the Silk Road program is very uh, what what China is trying to do is they're trying to link China to Southeast Asia and to Europe, and they want to create like a just a, a trade they want to create a, a, a pathway for imports and exports out of China through Southeast Asia and into the European Community. It's a big initiative. China has invested a huge amount of money in infrastructure. They put in roads, they put in railway, they have done an amazing amount of work to build infrastructure for this one belt, one road program. Um, in the US, um, we really don't like that program very much. Um, We think that uh, what we would like China to do is become more reliant on the United States for the, the products that I mentioned in the very beginning. We want them to buy energy from the United States. We want them to buy cars. We want them to become dependent more on the United States rather than building this infrastructure of one, one belt, one road, where they're able to actually purchase and service uh, individual countries along this path. So that's been very confrontational uh, between the U.S. and China. Um, and it's I, I'm not sure what the outcome is going to be, um, but we want them at least to slow down that project. And um, the fourth thing that we're actually um we also would like China to change is they, uh, President Xi, when he came into office, he wanted to um, develop a program called Made in China by 2025. And his intent at that time was to eliminate the dependency of China on many other countries around the world, including the United States. So this folds into the whole concept of intellectual property protection and that many many countries and companies have invested a lot in china and china has taken those practices and they have developed their own infrastructure so that they can become less dependent on other countries for for sales and for servicing local markets. And we in the United States, we don't necessarily like that idea. Again, the uh, the administration really wants China to become much more dependent on the United States as a source for products and for purchases. So the essence of 301 comes down to intellectual property protection the trade agreement that's being that's being worked on is focused on those four basic uh tenets and uh as as we know uh, that self destructed about 2 weeks ago so um so it, it's unknown where that's going to go so okay so there's section 232 I'm just going to come back and talk about 232 and 3 in section 301 so how does section 232 and 301 impact the bike industry? Well, section 232, which applies to aluminum and steel, really has a very little impact on the bicycle impact industry but it does impact some local makers. Um, you have may, may have heard that uh, like Saris um, and Allen and some of the other rack companies are impacted because they're purchasing local steel or local aluminum materials that have gone up in costs. And you've also read a little bit about things like spokes, bearings, local components that may be purchased from local suppliers here in the United States. Um, And they're experiencing cost increases primarily based on supply and demand. So as these local makers are either buying steel locally where there's currently not enough uh, steel or aluminum to satisfy the needs, prices have gone up. Um, and Section 301, uh, so, so Section 232, um, some impact but pretty minimal. Section 301 tariffs, um, on the other hand, uh, apply to products that are imported exclusively from China. And Section 301 tariffs um, do affect uh, Uh, e-bikes. The e-bikes were on the first tranche of of, uh, products, the first $50 billion worth of products. And uh, just a little bit of background on e-bikes and why they're included in the first tranche. Um, And this, again, relates to tariffs and HTS codes Um, E-bikes are actually bundled together with electric vehicles, two-wheel vehicles, which includes motorcycles, scooters, and other things. So it's a broad category of products. It's um, 8711.90. And that category, in aggregate, was included in the first tranche, and it didn't necessarily uh, I'm not sure whether they intended it to specifically address e-bikes, but it was it was all inclusive of electric two wheel vehicles, which did include motorcycles. And it is unlikely that that will change. Um, there's been some efforts to try and remove e-bikes from uh, and receive exemptions, but uh, so far, We have not succeeded in having e-bikes removed from the list, so it's likely that's going to uh, continue on. Um, Bicycles and bicycle parts are included in the second, uh, in the third tranche, which is the two hundred billion dollar tranche. So that particular that particular tranche of of uh, products, two hundred billion. Um, all bicycles are included, and the the 90% of the bicycle parts are included. And just to give you a framework, uh, Steve Frothingham has done some work on this, but I'll I'll give you an idea of what's impacted by that and how that works. So, um, 98.5 of all bikes with wheels not exceeding 50 centimeters. So that's 12 and 16-inch wheel bikes, 12 12 in 16-inch wheel bikes, 98.5% of those are coming from China. 94% of bikes exceeding 50 centimeters but not exceeding 55 centimeters in diameter, so that's basically 20-inch wheels, are also included in this listing. 96% 96% of uh, of mountain bikes uh, are coming, uh, that's 20, 26 inch wheels and uh, 86% of all road bikes are coming in from China. So in aggregate, the total quantity of bicycles in uh, coming in, this is from a unit standpoint, 94% of all bicycles are coming from China, which is a, a serious matter and as everyone knows, um, effective June 1st, in just another few days, the tariff will go uh, up an additional 15%. So for children's bikes, um, the aggregate tariff for children's bikes, 12, 16, 20 inch, and 26 inch wheel bikes will go from what was initially the mfn tariff most favored nation tariff of 11 percent it went up 10 percent to to 21 percent and now it will be at 36 percent so the new tariff rate on on 12 16 20 then 26 inch wheel bikes 24 and 26 Will be 36% effective June first for imports coming into the United States. Road bikes coming from China, the tariff has been 5.5% with the tariff initial tariff of 10%. It was 15.5. And now um, it will increase another 15%. So uh, it's a, it's a big increase. Um, in conjunction with that, bikes, bicycle parts are included in the, in the $200 billion tranche, and uh, virtually all components are in that listing, which includes everything from handlebar stems, um, saddles, brakes, derailleurs, Uh, shifters they are all included in that $200 billion tranche and they too will be uh, subjected to a 25% additional tariff on those components and I, I do want to point out there were some exceptions to that $200 billion tranche which included helmets were not included lights were not included soft goods which included shoes and clothing were not included in the 200 billion and also miscellaneous bicycle parts which includes things like wheels and there are just miscellaneous parts within that that were not included in the 200 billion dollar tranche so um, with that Um, as, as everyone probably is aware that the administration has now indicated that they would like to apply a tariff to everything else coming from China. And that everything else from China is about $325 billion worth of products. It includes everything that was excluded for the bicycle industry from the second, from the third tranche, so helmets are in it, lights are in it, soft goods are in it, shoes are in it. Um, there are there are lots of products in it, um, and that group of products, the 325 billion in products, there has been no specific date that's been established for when or if and when tariffs will apply to that. And that's quite a controversial group of products. It includes toys, it includes phones, lots of electronic goods. Um, As I said, soft goods, shoes, as you probably have read, the shoe industry is definitely um, up in arms about the entire matter of Section 301 on uh, shoes. So that uh, subject is, uh, is right now um, up for discussion. Um, the process for this, the, this fourth tranche is that there will be um, a comment period by various industries The U.S. government, the U.S. Department of Trade also will conduct testimony, much the same as they did for the $200 billion tranche. And that will happen on uh, June 17th. It will take anywhere from two to four weeks to conclude uh, testimony on that. Um, There'll be a period for written comments and um, it's unknown if and when the government, uh, the administration, will apply tariffs. But as I mentioned, it is uh, it is the president's. Uh, he, he he can apply that tariff to the balance of the 325 billion at any point in time that he wants. So there is no there's there's no specific rules or guidelines. He has complete authority to uh, to apply tariffs a- as needed based on section 301 or section 232 tariffs. So um, so so those are kind of the framework of what's happening with tariffs, um, how tariffs are applying to bikes and bicycle parts. Um, I talked a little bit about 232. And I, I want to share with you, with everyone, you know, one one of the big challenges that we have faced, even in light of Section 301 tariffs and um, MFN tariffs on uh, on bicycles and bicycle products, and it's a it's an interesting uh, provision that's called de minimis. And um, What what de minimis is, what the U.S. um, Department of Trade or the USTR has defined is that any import shipment that has a value of less than $800, there is no tariff that applies. And not only is there no tariff that applies, also section 301 tariffs do not apply and that's a that's a very very important thing to recognize as we all look at um some of the uh some of the mail order operations or when we look at marketplaces like uh like Amazon or Alibaba or jd.com 360.com Uh, Many of them um, feature products and as a U.S. consumer, you can purchase a product overseas from someone who's selling as long as the commercial and invoice value is less than $800. It can be shipped into the United States with no tariffs there's no quotas there's basically no oversight on any shipments that are under $800 they also circumvent retail they circumvent uh cpsc and other regulatory provisions and it's it's been something that has been haunting us for quite some time And I think it's just important to realize, particularly with Section 301 tariffs now, that this, I'll just call it a loophole exists. And it means that people are going to be circumventing Section 301 tariffs on products that are under $800 by shipping them direct. Um, we are working on it. I've uh, had several meetings with, uh, with Secretary Ross and other people within the, um, the trade ambassador, uh, Robert, uh, Robert Lightheiser about this subject. And it's, uh, it's high on the radar screen. Um, the only obstacle with this subject is the marketplace portals like Amazon and Alibaba and eBay, all of them are very, very strongly supporting this de minimis provision, as well as the freight carriers, FedEx, UPS, uh, Airborne, all of them are strong advocates of this de minimis provision because basically they can pick up a good in China, it's in a box and they deliver it to someone and there's no Uh, regulatory provisions, no requirements for customs invoicing or uh, oversight for whether it meets or exceeds any of the safety provisions or warranty or customer service or any of those issues. And I think that uh, that overarching matter is something that we're looking to address, but I, I think it's important that everyone is aware that that subject exists it's big and uh with the new section 301 tariffs increasing to 25 percent it has a bigger impact uh, particularly on on individual companies in china that are looking to circumvent um, any of the tariffs whether it's mfn tariffs or section 301 tariffs so it's something to just be alert to if you're a consumer and you're buying things and you're buying from overseas, you probably love the idea. But if you're a retailer and you're looking at this particular provision, it definitely has a negative effect on you and your business and it allows people to buy things, circumventing a lot of the governance that that traditionally accompanies a lot of these um, shipments and imports coming into the United States. Um, so from there, I, I just wanted to touch off on a couple of things. So you know, how does this impact me? You know, how do tariffs impact me? And you know, what can I do to navigate the situation? Well, you know, the the tariffs, um, the, the tariffs are going to affect everybody. And and I think the important thing to realize is that um, the tariffs, it, every business is gonna is gonna tackle the Section three hundred one tariffs in a different way. And um, some some companies uh, may pass along the tariffs and others may be capable of absorbing the tariffs uh, or absorbing a part of it. But you are gonna see definitely cost increases because it is gonna cost more. Um, So I think that you should just be alert and aware of the fact that section 301 is gonna impact some of the products that you're importing, and and as a as a as an industry, um, I've I've said to many people, the Section 301 tariffs really are a wake up call for this industry, that we have to diversify our our supply base beyond reliance exclusively on China as a as a supply source. And we need to look to other places so that we can avoid these kinds of geopolitical issues. And, you know, this is just one, Um, who knows what other things could come. But I think that it's important that we diversify and, um, you know, uh, and you will see lots of companies diversifying outside of China into uh, Southeast Asia, Vietnam, Cambodia, Sri Lanka, India, there's going to be various places that people are going to start to transition to to try and avoid uh, section 301 tariffs because it it doesn't look like this is going to go away at least in the near term. So the industry is going to move away um, particularly from our reliance on China for both e-bikes, regular bikes and bike components. but I think in the near term, it's gonna affect everybody. And you're just gonna to have to be aware that, uh, yeah, that there are gonna be cost increases. And I would, I would say, you know, just be alert to the consequences of this. Um, you know, if, as an importer, whether it's, uh, whether it's uh, a, a mass merchant or whether it's an IBD brand, and when uh, the majority of your business, uh, majority of the products that you're importing, have a, uh, a 25% tariff effective on June 1st and the government's policies and practices on tariff payments is you pay immediately upon the product coming into the United States. So you can imagine uh, all of us who've been following carefully our cash flows and how we manage our, our finances that um, suddenly um, Effective June 1st, we're going we're gonna to uh, we're gonna need to pay an additional 15% on imports coming into the United States, um, intending that at least at some point we're going to be capable of passing that on, or at least um, seeing some results where we're able to uh, where we able to recover some of that tariff. So. Um, so it, it is going to impact you. There's no doubt. I think you're going to start seeing uh, different companies and different brands approach it different ways. But um, there is going to be an additional cost uh, that that's going to happen. And you know how can you navigate it? I think just be really alert to the to the government's situation and what's happening and how uh, how the U.S. is reacting to Section 301. And Section 301 tariffs to see whether there may be some relief. I, I don't know, uh, myself, I haven't really, um, there hasn't been a lot of discussions um, since the, the additional 15% was added two weeks ago and uh, negotiations, again, are gonna start up, they say, in another month or so. But um, it, it is, um, you know, right now, uh, the only way to to navigate it is just uh, recognize that what you have has some value to it, and uh, realize that um, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to uh, sell to the customers that are coming in to continue that that they realize how this this geopolitical situation is um, is hurting them and hurting you. Uh, um, other than that, um, the, the the costs are going to go up, um, and there's not much that we can do. And I don't think any of us are going to be in a position to compromise either the quality or the integrity of the product in order to uh, to absorb or minimize the impact of these Section 301 tariffs. So um, so just keep your eye on it, watch negotiations, and um, just uh, you'll you'll see uh, a lot of your suppliers will be transitioning out and providing products from different countries I think that's how we're doing it as an industry and I think for all of you on this call that's a, 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 a way just to keep alert to what's happening from the geopolitical side and just keep a careful eye on your uh, supply sources and just understand what they're doing and how they're navigating this supply situation so that's all I have I know it's 9 46 and you know I uh, I'm open for questions or any ideas or anything anyone wants to ask or share um, I'm happy to happy to help navigate do we have any questions from anyone any of the callers there's a question from Rodrigo in the chat and from Mike
1: Jacobowski let's say are, are you able to listen to hear me okay i can hear you i guess that will make it, make it easier thank you for the for the all the inst- instructive uh, uh, presentation i i see i am on the website that you that you indicated the HTTPS, yes. and there are two columns column one and two i wanted to ask right. you you can explain what is the difference between the two because I see here on bicycles eighty seven, twelve, zero, zero, yes. fifteen. Right. There's Eleven, then there's a special with some countries that are under trade agreements, I guess, and it's free. Yeah. And under those we have Mexico, among others. And there's there's a thirty percent on column two.
0: Yes. So, so Rodrigo, the the column two is for non non MFN countries. So that would be if you were if you were uh, importing from from Korea, from North Korea, or somewhere else. That's what that would apply and. And just to, to clarify that there are trade agreements and I, I don't wanna get too detailed on this, but uh, you know we do have a free trade agreement with Korea. We have a free trade agreement with Singapore. We have a free trade agreement with Colombia, So we have various free trade agreements and I, I don't wanna complicate this too much, but there are rules of origin that apply for products that are coming in from those countries where we do have free trade agreements and um, and it's rather complicated. Um, and at, at some point in time, if, uh, if Brandy lets me, I'm happy to help navigate uh, some of the free trade agreements, but we don't have very many. And uh, Rodrigo, just as, a, as an aside, you know, our free trade agreement with Mexico um, and Canada within the USMCA, um, there is a rule of origin for exports either from Canada or from Mexico into the US or from the US into Mexico or Canada that requires 60% local content 60 okay mm-hmm. that makes it virtually impossible to, uh, to, imp- to uh, actually apply for a zero duty into those countries. Virtually impossible. Thank you. Um, and let's see, Mike, do you wanna jump in? Sure. Uh, yeah, this is Mike. Uh, I'm just concerned as we move away from a large, relatively stable country like China and diversify to whether it's Cambodia or Vietnam, uh, you know the factories that produce bicycles don't just spring up overnight. You're talking about long-term major investments. How do we deal with the potential uh, changes in political regime that could put that investment in risk at risk very quickly in some cases? Yeah, well, well, you know, Mike, that's a it's a good question because as you know, you know, from our standpoint at Specialized, we're uh, we're dealing with Cambodia. We have been for roughly about six years. Um, And yeah, there are geopolitical issues. Um, Cambodia is right now under the microscope for the European community, for um, some uh, to remove the GSP, which is the, uh, there's a, a favored tariff rate for products that are coming from Cambodia into the United States. And there's been talk of removal of that by, uh, by, um, by Cruz, Ted Cruz, and also by the European community. And uh, the, the answer to that actually is, is uh, pretty simple. That if the current environment for those countries, um, if the geopolitical problems happen, then the most likely outcome will be their gsp which is the their favored trading position will be removed and they will just that uh mfn or regular tariffs would apply to products coming from there but you know mike you're you're like spot on the the biggest issue actually is uh so i'll, I'll give you some some quick numbers right so um, there's 15 million bicycles that are produced in China, and the estimates are that that there are approximately 15,000 people that are employed uh, in in those uh, in China for exported those those bikes, and um, it takes about a factory of about 100,000 square feet to produce 100,000 bikes. So you can do the math pretty quickly. So as we transition um, out of China and into other countries, the, the real challenge is not necessarily tariffs. Um, it's really labor. It's labor. And you know China for many years has served as um, produced products in Taiwan. And if you want to scale up, to a big quantity then china has the labor labor sources they have raw materials and they have other things that provide people the opportunity to scale and now as we start looking to source products outside of china there isn't really a big opportunity to scale um and you look at whether it's you know vietnam has a population of 93 million people but it's you know you've got uh, uh, north vietnam and south vietnam and the actual population in south vietnam is uh in in the the area where most of us are which is in ho chi minh um there's a, a about 30 million people which is the same size as taiwan but there's so many companies that are coming in there that labor is is an issue and you know in cambodia as well you know the population is really not that big so labor is really the biggest challenge that I think we're going to face um, in in how we source things. And, uh, you know, uh, just, you know, kind of off the record, but, you know, the way things are going uh, politically and economically, you know, producing or looking at uh, producing here in North America is, is at least one of the solutions. And, you know, I've said to many people that, you know, we have a uh, an administration today that's Republican, but you know, frankly, the Democrats are much, much more tougher on trade than the Republicans are. So, regardless of what happens in the elections of 2020, we're we're not going to see any dramatic changes in the trade policies or practices. I don't think. If anything, they're going to get tougher. And, uh, you know, we're gonna have to realize, I think that, um, you know, looking at sources and, you know, chasing the cheapest price, those days I think are long over. And I think we've got to look carefully, perhaps internally at what we can do in North America and how we can service our needs from here, um, using, uh, you know, American steel, American aluminum, and uh, try and satisfy and service the needs. But, um, you know, the the biggest obstacle that we have here in the United States, and I know there's been a lot of discussions about reshoring bikes and reshoring production here in the United States, but the biggest challenge we have is, uh, number one, is economies of scale, and we need to have a big quantity of Bikes produced here. That's number one. And number two is we need free trade agreements. Like it's it's not really very attractive if we produce here in the United States and we want to export to the European Community. We pay the the import tariff is 14%. If we want to export into Mexico, it's it's 15%. So we've got to we've got to have free trade agreements that are really attractive from the uh, the rules of origin. So that, in fact, we're able to build and we're able to create economies of scale, and we're able to service global needs. Let's see. Any, any other questions? That might be it. Well, if anybody has any questions, you know what I. Uh, the other interesting thing I'll I'll share with you, Rodrigo. This was I know you were uh, you you uh, you had checked the website, but I'll tell you another interesting website that you might wanna uh you might want to look at um and this one actually will uh you'll be able to see exactly what's imported into the united states and you see this in bicycle retailer um, they they uh put some data in but this is um this website it's um it, uh, and i'll spell it it's data d a t a w e b dot u s itc.gov so it's d-a-t-a-w-e-b that's one word dot u-s-i-t-c dot G-O-V. and on that website you can go in and you can see exactly what the imports are from any country in the world for any tariff code so once you have that 8712 uh 871210 and you key it in, in and you go into that you have to sign up and and it, it, it's a government website so you don't need to worry about um, about setting up an account but you can take a look and you can see what the uh, what the amount of imports are and you can do it from by country you can do it um, by HTS code you can do it by uh, you can look at uh different years they have many years worth of data and it's it's a it's a a pretty interesting uh pretty interesting website to look at to try and find data
1: yeah Uh, one question that i have because the website tells us the the current tariffs but not the ones based on this section 301 so where could we find those new tariffs you 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 spell them out I took some yes. notes. Yes. Um, so uh, so I, I, I don't know um whether I
0: can uh whether I can do this through here but I can provide you um the list. Uh it's where it is Rodri- Red, uh, Rodrigo is it's it's in the federal register. I I wish the government was able to just bundle things together and put things all in one but
1: unfortunately they don't. Awesome, great, thank you.
0: All right, it's 10 o'clock. Um, I, I appreciate everybody listening. I hope that I added a little bit of insight um, on, on the whole subject of tariffs and uh, I'm always available for any, uh, any insights or any, any information or any help that anybody needs. Bob, this was great. Thank you so much for doing it. And I think we will end it there. Thank you so much again. Great. Thanks everybody for taking the time and listening. I appreciate it.